Welcome to The Leadership Line, a podcast that covers everyday work issues from dealing with jerks at work to feeling burnt out. Tammy and Scott's experience, along with their different perspectives, help listeners grow, examine realistic options and alternatives, and identify those actionable solutions to the tough issues we face every day at work. Hello, Tammy and Scott. <laughs> good morning, Carmen. Carmen, how are you? I'm good. I am on vacation right now, and I'm looking at a beautiful lake, and the sun is coming up, and my family is still asleep, and there are leftover pancakes in the refrigerator, and so I know what I'm having for breakfast. And life is good. Awesome. I could handle pancakes heated up with hot butter and syrup. That sounds lovely. Mm. All right. Just Gavi nectar. Gavi nectar? And peanut butter. You are one weird man. There's nothing about you that's normal, Scott. Sorry. I like what I like. Come on, Gavi Nectar. Okay. I I think we should, the folks who are listening to this podcast, I want to hear how many of you have even tried Gavi Nectar. I have. I think I tried it in tea as a tea sweetener, which was maybe kind of a mistake because I generally don't like sweet tea. So it was probably not the place to, to judge. (laughs) you're being very neutral (laughs) so i take it you didn't like it it didn't do anything for me the the bottle's still in the cupboard now i know i can just bring it to scott and give it to him and it'll all be good yes because scott eats interesting things let's just say that (laughs) let's just say that well carmen what are we talking about today speaking of um mistakes that purchased for me of agave nectar that I was going to not consume was that's maybe a little overstating, call it a mistake, but it's a thing that I did that I, my life would be incrementally better had I never spent the three ninety nine or whatever <laughs> on this bottle of agave nectar. So what I, what I want to talk about this morning is professional mistakes. I think there's some good storytelling in us fessing up to professional mistakes and more important, become more is about like, what did we learn from that? And yep. so while I'm, I'm always just like in for a good story, what we're really about here is what's the lesson. And one of my most embarrassing professional moments was I was pretty young. It was my first job out of college. And I was really upset about something that I had been asked to do. Something related to a video is all I remember now. And I just felt like it was wrong that I was supposed to do this. Maybe I disagreed with the project. Maybe I disagreed with the timing. I don't know. I went to a meeting about it and I basically pouted through the meeting. And I mean, Tammy and Scott know me. I'm generally a little more professional than that, than to just pout through a meeting. 
And rightly so, after the meeting, my boss called me into his office and he called me on it. And it was like, you're not doing yourself any favors by acting like that. And I was still so mad. I couldn't hear his message, which was delivered in a very kind and fatherly kind of way. And I was I was still so mad. I went back to my office and I literally slammed the door of oh, my okay. office. And these were like offices made from cubicle sections. You know, <laughs> they went all the way to the ceiling. But essentially, like my door was two doors down from my boss. But when I slammed the door, his walls rattled. He, <laughs> I, I mean, why he didn't just send me home that day, I don't know. But this is an embarrassing story that I have carried around with me because I just really look back on it with shame would be a little bit of a harsh word, but embarrassment for how how immature I acted in that section and how I like had a couple of places where I could have backed off from it. And instead I doubled down all the way to, I'm going to slam my door and make sure people know I'm really pissed off. So Tammy and Scott, embarrassing professional mistake that you made and what did you learn from it? Scott, do you want to go first? Yeah, I can remember there was a time where I was transitioning to another role and the role had been posted and open for like three or four months and we were not getting many applicants. And we had a corporate group come in and audit the facility. And I was, I was, because I was in that role, I was leading the audit and we disagreed with one of the things that they were pushing. And we had data to support that the thing we needed to do, we really didn't need to do on our product. And um, the guy from the corporate office, who quite frankly is a little bit, no, he's an arrogant Jack. He said, I don't know why you're fighting this. It's easy. And by that time, I had really had it kind of to Carmen's earlier point. I had had it at that point. And I looked at him and I said, if it's so easy, why don't you come and apply for this job and do it and show me how goddamn easy it is. And I got up and walked out of the out of the conference room. Wow, Scott. How'd that go over? Oh, not well. <laughs> Do I know this person? I don't think so. I don't think you ever met him. So it's the person's boss's boss that I know. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, Carmen, you don't know this, but I know this story, but not from Scott. I know this <laughs> oh. from a client who told me this story about Scott. Yep. <laughs> you and Scott were not business partners at that point. We, Correct. We, yeah, was, we mean, were not. Shit, this is. 25 years ago now, probably. Yep. Probably 20 years ago. Yeah. And I, I, at that point was doing business with that particular organization, but not necessarily always at corporate. And when I went to the corporate and started working with the corporate entity, they started telling me Scott stories. And that was one of the Scott stories (laughs) that I heard. And I've never heard Scott say it out loud, but I've heard it from the other side too up. Yep. So the so the other side ca- characterizes that as like 
the 10 times when Scott should have gotten fired and didn't? Well, probably, yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, and you know how he uh, characterized the words that Scott used to characterize the person that Scott was talking to? I His grand boss? Corporate would use those same words to describe Scott in yeah. that situation. And what's funny is, when I think about it, in my professional career, I think I only really raised my voice and swore in someone's general direction, I think, twice. Yeah. That was one of the two times. Usually not a good strategy. Oh, it felt really good, though. <laughs> so, Carmen <laughs> slamming, slamming that door felt yeah. really good. So, Carmen, strategy of slamming the door, maybe not the best strategy. Scott's strategy of swearing and getting big and trying to like, you know, like overpower someone that might not have been the best strategy. And that really wasn't my strategy. My strategy was really, hey, Jack, come and do the job. (laughs) You think it's so easy. Come on, because I'm doing two jobs right now. Come on down. (laughs) Oh, my God. You're so special. Oh, man. Huh. And so, Scott, did that stall your career? Do you think that that had something to do with it? I mean, I'm sure many things did. The fact that I didn't want to move to another metropolitan area was not helpful. It's fine. Some of those choices I knew making those choices would lead to limiting. And then, yeah, I I mean, just when I look back at it, what I always remember is when we had an international company When we had people come from the international headquarters, their approach to working with us was much different than the local headquarters. Right. And that was so interesting to me. They wanted to learn what our real struggles were, where the local seemed like for a time period. It was much different at the end of my time there, that it was more partnership, but it did not start that way. And for me, the learning part of the history was previous leadership at the facility was very much, hey, corporate, go yourself. And so now there's an adversarial, whether intended or not, right? that had to be unwound. And you actually walked into it and then became part of the trying to unwind it later. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. I It's an interesting story, especially when you know the rest of Scott's history in that organization and the amount of time that he spent trying to make those relationships from a corporate standpoint work based upon the international perspective yeah. of asking yeah. questions instead of putting down directives, which is a very interesting process in and of itself. Well, you guys ready for story number three? Yeah. Okay. Number two. Well, no, because Carmen told a story, and then oh, you told a story, story, and yeah, then okay. I'm telling the story. So it is, it is three. So story number three from Tammy. I'm going to go back to my early career. Since you guys went to early career, I'll go to that one as well. So I was working for a consulting firm here in Des Moines, Iowa. It was my first consulting firm position. And I had a boss whose name was Paul. And Paul was the kind of guy who quietly followed up on everything. He never 
forgot things. So if I said something was going to be done on Tuesday, he would be on me to get it done on Tuesday. I was 27 years old and I felt like Paul was constantly redirecting me, constantly on me, constantly micromanaging me. And I felt like he was also making really stupid decisions, things that I disagreed with that made no sense at all to my brain. So over the first seven, eight, nine months, Paul and I were just not getting along. And I was working tremendous amounts of hours. It was not unusual for me to put in a 12, 13 hour day. I would come in at 8.30 in the morning and I would still be there at 11 o'clock at night. And so, I mean, I was working very, very hard and I was very frustrated with Paul. And one night I was there and it was after hours and it was probably eight, nine, 10 o'clock at night. I mean, it was late. And the president of the company, whose name was Frank, happened to be there. And he's like, hey, Tammy, come into my office for a minute. And I didn't think anything of it. And so, you know, I bebopped my way into his office and sat down and he said, hey, I've noticed that you and Paul are not getting along. And I was like, you're right. We are not. And he was like, so what's happening? And just those two questions opened the floodgates. And I don't remember how long I talked, but I probably talked for 10 straight minutes about all the things that Paul was doing that were wrong. And I wasn't editing myself. I wasn't thinking about what I was saying. It never occurred to me that I was talking to my boss's boss. I was just literally telling him everything that was in my head. I just blurted it all out. And after I got done with my diatribe, Frank looked at me and he said, so if I had to choose between you and Paul, who do you think I'm going to choose? And of course, my 27-year-old bebopping you know, come on in, said, well, me, of course, Paul's not doing stuff right. I'm working hard. And Frank looked at me and he said, Tammy, please understand, Paul is a trusted member of my leadership team. And if I have to choose between you and Paul, you are going to lose. In that nanosecond, it's like all of the air went out of my lungs. And I'm sitting in this chair and I'm thinking, I am the good worker. Paul is a screw up. What do you mean that you're going to choose Paul? I cannot even, I can't even fathom that you would choose Paul over me. I am such a great worker that is bringing so much contributions to the organization and you're going to go with power. But I was smart enough in that moment to shut up. I don't know how I knew that because I had not shut up for the 20, 30 minutes ahead of that. But I was smart enough to shut up at that moment. And he said, why don't you go home and think about that? Holy crap. I went home and I sat in my apartment and in my head, I went, I need this job. I need a paycheck. I don't have the luxury of fighting this war. And my boss's boss just gave me the terms of engagement. He laid it out really clearly for me. And so I thought, well, I need to suck it up. So the next day I went into work and Paul was already in his office. And I walked in, I shut the door, which of course at that time was a sign of we're having a serious conversation. 
And I said, you know, Paul, we have not been getting along. I think that there are things that I have done that have contributed to us not getting along. And I think that there are probably things that you've done that have contributed to us not getting along. And I'm willing to bury the hatchet and let bygones be bygones and start over. If you are willing to bury the hatchet, let bygones be bygones and start over. Now, I had planned this conversation very, very carefully because I had stayed up a long time that night and thought it over. And Paul, who was a quiet man, sat at the other side of his desk and didn't say anything. And I felt like he didn't say anything forever. Now, maybe it was only a minute, but to me, it felt like it was five minutes of silence. The end of that time, Paul got out of his chair and he walked around to the other side of the desk where I was sitting and he stuck out his hand. He said, hi, my name is Paul Carroll. Welcome to the team. That moment changed my life for so many reasons. First of all, forgiveness at work, which we don't forgive very often. We oftentimes carry grudges and move it forward. And the ability to forgive people for making mistakes is something that I will never forget. And Paul forgave me for the mistakes I made. The second thing that is a huge learning lesson that came out of that for me is Paul's the best boss I ever had. If I go back and I look at all the people that I ever reported to, Paul by far, head and shoulders above every other leader. I didn't know that I was working for a great boss. I thought I was working for micromanaging, constantly on me, doesn't let anything go. And he was actually the guy who was teaching me how to be a great employee. And I just didn't know it. I misunderstood the learning lessons that I needed to know at 27. But those learning lessons are the things that helped me be successful in my 30s, my 40s, my 50s. And I hope that it's what I am also carrying on with staff today in terms of things like outcomes, keeping your promises, doing what you said you were going to do, listening instead of always having the answers. All of these wonderful gifts that Paul gave me, that in the first few months that I worked for him, I'd never had a boss like that. And I didn't understand that he was polishing me, taking off the rough edges in order to help me be the best employee that I could be at that time. I misunderstood his directions because I didn't have context. And Paul was willing to let a young, raw person who he saw have talent come back and have a second chance. I worked for Paul for another five years. And those five years are foundational to where we are today. Paul Carroll, best boss I ever had. And that wraps up this week's episode of The Leadership Line. As always, feel free to reach out to us in the emails provided in this podcast description box. And be sure to check out our upcoming episodes always announced on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.